Hello, ninjas and ninjets, and welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. This show is all about helping you generate more leads and sales from your website. This is a very special episode because it's our 100th show. So it's been an absolute honor running the uh, running the podcast for the first 100 episodes and long may it continue. So most of the time, it's me interviewing other marketers, marketers from the outside world, whether it's successful business owners who've brought amazing results for their business using digital marketing or marketing experts talking about a particular strategy that they've used or that they work with their clients on. In this episode though, I wanted to do something completely different. I run Exposure Ninja, which is an agency, and we've got 60 staff at Exposure Ninja, or 60 ninjas as we call them. And some of the knowledge that these ninjas have is incredible. All the results that you see of Exposure Ninja, whether you're on one of our webinars where we're showing you behind the scenes of some campaigns or whether you come and see us at show or even some examples from the podcast, all of this stuff is done not by me, although I'm the face of the business, but by the ninjas themselves who actually do the work. So it's these guys out on the front line doing this stuff, coming up with new strategies, testing it and working with our clients. So in this episode, it's time for them to take to the stage and show us what they got. So I invited the ninjas to give their best tips digital marketing so they've each shared the one thing that they would uh, they would tell a potential client now it's really interesting that a lot of the stuff that they share isn't necessarily the technical pieces of digital marketing because actually that stuff you can figure your way around so a lot of it's about positioning or understanding your audience you know it's that type of stuff so enjoy the episode and i hope you find some stuff which is super useful So Nick, welcome to Hi. the Exposure Ninja podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Tim. If you could give listeners one tip for running a successful digital marketing campaign, whether they're doing it themselves or they're using an agency, what would you tell them? Okay, so my key tip is just stop juggling eggs, get strategic, get organized, so keep accurate records of the work you're, do- you're doing, record your results, think about the cost and the benefit of what you're doing. And then you just need to keep reviewing what you're doing. Just keep looking back and thinking, okay, has this worked? Because if you start going into a campaign, just throwing stuff out there, throwing things at the wall, you're never going to know why things are actually sticking. And in turn, you're never going to sustain that growth because it's just going to be like, you know, drawing cards and, and hoping for the best. So you really want to start thinking about, okay, I've done something. Has it worked? If so, why has it worked? It's a really good point because I'm just looking at, I don't want to use their name because we've talked about numbers a lot, but the company that you've suggested here, they are using purely SEO. We have uh, another extremely successful client who is just using SEO and other extremely successful clients that are mostly focusing all their attention in one area. So is that perhaps a commonality amongst people that are succeeding? They're finding something that works. They're putting all of their energy, all their attention in that area, absolutely dominating it. Yeah. I mean, particularly when you've got a super competitive uh, market, which this particular campaign has, really thinking about focusing your campaign in, in a direction, keeping things simple. You know, you don't need to come up with magic tricks and stuff to, to get things to work. You just need to really start start keeping things focused and simple and, and, you know, and not spreading your money thinly because, you know, every marketing channel is an investment, whether it's an investment on your time, your money, 
you know, your brain power. <laughs> it, it's all <laughs> an investment somewhere. So, so make sure that you you keep that investment in in the places that's going to work for you. And for this particular client, we've gone down the the SEO content marketing as, as part of SEO route, and and we've been able to get some amazing results. And they're not relying on paid marketing, like the pay per click marketing. So you guys heard it from Nick. Keep accurate records of everything you've done. Focus on one area. Review, review, review. If you just throw out ideas, spread yourself too thinly, chances are it's going to be quite difficult to sustain that growth. Nick, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Thank you, Tim. And happy 100. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tim. So if you could give one tip to listeners of the show, dedicated listeners, they've checked out all 100 episodes. They're here to get the absolute best stuff straight from the ninja's mouths. What would your tip to those guys be? I would say uh, for me, Tim, um, analyzing your competitors and the market and identify what's going on and what they're doing that you aren't. Looking for your trends and keywords and capitalize on them and then do it better. Exploit any gaps and use it to your advantage. Brilliant. So how would people actually be able to do this? So someone's listening, they go, yep, that sounds great. What do they do next? Okay, so there's nearly always a trend if you look hard enough, Tim, how, why your competitors are ranking better than you. You just need to lay them bare and then just see what's going on behind the scenes. Where are they getting those backlinks from? Are they using sponsored posts, making awesome content and getting themselves pushed up the rankings? It's about seeing what they're doing, taking note, following their trend, if it works, and then doing it better. If it's a post telling the customer how they good how good they are at X, then tell the customer you can do it better. I mean, you can glean a whole host of information out of this, and you can see if they're doing well on certain keywords that you're not using. And this is where normally where you get your low fruit and the ones that can bring your customers to you. And essentially, when it comes to the market, imagine yourselves in the shoes of your target audience. See what kind of questions people are asking about your products or services. I mean, you can use Answer the Public, Google Trends, LSI Graphs. There's a whole bunch of resources out there, and even online forums that are related to your industry. If you can help them out, bring them to the site and eventually convert them by looking through some of these questions and trying to answer them, then great. You see what questions and keywords you can use. Are customers looking for X solution to a problem? Are the answers out there even good enough? If they aren't, make that piece and drive the people through to your funnel. That is such a good tip. We were actually just on a Ninja Black Ops call just now where we were looking at, we've got one particular client, you'll know who they are. It's all around PPI. Yeah. We're saying, right, we really, really want to dominate for this particular phrase. Loads of visibility for loads of really competitive phrases. There's one kind of category of phrases, particularly DIY PPI claims, where we really want to dominate. They've got no visibility at the moment. So all we did, we stuck in that keyword. We had a look in Google. We said, okay, what sort of content are other people publishing around this topic? What's it going to take to genuinely, legitimately beat them with much, much better content, make it more in-depth, make it more useful? Because we know that we can do that. We can do that better than any of these other sites, whether you're trying to rank against forums or a really high domain authority site like Witch or something like that. It doesn't really matter. If you can beat them on content and then get them some links, you know that you're going to win on that. Oh, absolutely, Tim. It's, uh, it's what we do. We're ninjas, after all. We scout them out. We find what they're doing. And then we do it better. Love it. Paul, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the listeners. No problem. See you, Tim. See ya. Mitch, welcome to the Exposure Ninja podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. So listeners are awaiting your tip. 
What would you tell them? If you could just give them one piece of digital marketing advice, what would it be? Yeah, so the one piece of digital marketing advice I would give would be to start a blog. And I think the reason for that is it's something that everyone can do and it's something that you can hang all of your uh, other digital marketing work around, all of your SEO work can sort of be hung around or built around a blog. So yeah, I think it's a great place to start. I don't think there's a single SEO or content marketing campaign that we're running that doesn't have a blog. And it, like you say, you hang all your content around. What, what does that actually mean? Let's take, for example, how, how does a blog help social media, for example? Okay, yeah. So it gives you something to say on social media, you know, right? So just continually, I don't know, posting updates about uh, your business might be interesting to some people, but a blog is something that people can really interact with, that people are more likely to share, so much more so than just a, a page of web content. You know, it's, it's 100% order, or rather orders of magnitude more likely that someone is going to share a blog post that you've written on your website as opposed to just a page of content. Of course, if we blog about stuff which is genuinely interesting to people. So when you're writing and you've written some of the most incredible blogs for our clients, I just want to know Mitch is an absolute content beast. So Mitch, when you're coming up with an idea for a blog post for one of our clients, how do you even begin to think about creating something which is actually going to be useful, which is going to get shared, which is going to get attention, which is going to pick up some links? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you want to, you want to build a blog post around your keywords, but beyond that, it's, it's everything you said. It's, it's something that people are going to be interested in. So I suppose it's figuring out what, what is it about this keywords that, that people find interesting or what is it about this keywords that the wider world uh, sort of finds interesting. And sometimes it's sort of, uh, I think it was something Lexi Mill said, sometimes it's just about finding the fun, as cheesy as that sounds. So sort of finding what's interesting and what's fun about this keyword, what's really going to sort of get people talking about it. Favorite blog post you've ever written? Favorite blog post I've ever written was uh, for storage equipment experts. So that's a perfect example of, of finding the fun. These guys provide warehouse safety inspections for businesses. So I know that gets everyone excited. Um, so it was, yeah, it was about sort of finding something that people would latch onto, something people would find interesting. So we created an infographic and an accompanying blog post about the uh, the four most dangerous fictional workplaces. So we had The Simpsons, Doctor Who, Doctor Who's TARDIS, obviously being very dangerous. And yeah, this very dangerous. extremely dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, and it's this workplace. The man should really, uh, should really get some safety inspections in there. But uh, yeah, the blog post is extremely well. It had, it got 300 shares in total. And this was, you know, this is a safety inspection blog. If you would have said to some people, they might have said, oh, the, you know, there's no way that a blog like that can get that kind of traction, that kind of attention. But I, I completely disagree. It's just about finding the right, the right blog post and the right topic that will get people sort of interested in clicking. It's almost like, I know that you're a massive Doctor Who fan, aren't you? It did factor into it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you also managed to weed in their Game of Thrones as well, didn't you? Because I think it was around the time of a new Game of Thrones thing. So is it almost like you're identifying topics that you want to talk about, which you know are going to get shares, and then trying to bring the the business back into it and find a way to connect the two? Absolutely, yeah. It's because yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Game of Thrones because it's not just about 
finding topics that people are interested in. You know, obviously, I like Doctor Who, but I, I know Doctor Who has a big audience as well. And, and The Simpsons was another one we mentioned. But the reason we mentioned Game of Thrones is it's not just because it's it's something that the whole world is going crazy about, but it was the timing of it. Like it was time sensitive. We could see from Google Trends that in previous years, there had been a massive spike in people searching for Game of Thrones around about that time of year, because that's when Game of Thrones, a new series appears on HBO. So we wanted to make sure that that was when our infographic was released, that it was released during that massive spike of Game of Thrones traffic. Awesome. Thank you so much for your tip, Mitch. You heard it from Mitch. He says, start a blog, make your blog actually, well, find the fun. I think a great phrase. Write about stuff that people actually care about and it's genuinely going to help your business. Gets you at that place where you know, oh, I've got to write a blog and then it's been on your to-do list for three weeks. You're not going to do it because you know no one's going to read it. Well, use Mitch's advice and people are actually going to read it and share it. Thank you so much, Mitch. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great fun. Wayne, welcome to the Exposure Ninja podcast. Hello. If you've been to one of the shows that we exhibit at, you'll know Wayne. He is the hypnotist, so watch out. Wayne, listeners of the show, they're eagerly awaiting your tip. If you could give them one piece of digital marketing advice, what would it be? Absolutely. Well, I think something that is hugely important is anyone with a website of any kind at all, you should be adding live chat to that site. Live chat is so immensely powerful and can deliver such a crazy additional stream of leads or sales. We've got clients that have in the past generated literally millions of pounds just from having live chat on their website. You actually have one excellent example. You came in to one of the chats in a very joyous mood to let me know that uh, a client had a particularly amazing result as a result of one of your uh, your recommendations. Talk us through that one. Absolutely, yes. So uh, an amazingly happy client of ours. Uh, One of the first things that I recommended for him was to add live chat to the site. And he was a little bit dubious because of the kind of business he was in. He didn't think that it was something that people would engage with. And he thought it'd be a lot of effort. And anyway, six months down the line, he ended up getting one of his largest clients ever, a client that was worth in excess of a million pounds as a result of live chat on his site. That client almost certainly wouldn't have ended up being connected with if live chat hadn't been there. Why do you think live chat is so effective? And it doesn't just cannibalize leads generated from other sources, does it? You actually do get a different type of inquiry through live chat. Why does it work? Oh, for sure. It's something completely different because it tends to be for people that are looking for that more immediate answer. Um, So like someone's got a particular question on an e-commerce site, for instance, I was chatting to a client a few days ago who implemented live chat a couple of weeks ago, and they've said since implementing it, they've basically been getting between five and 10 people a day that have been coming to live chat with a very specific question. And as soon as they get the question answered, they then add the product to their cart and check out. So it tends to be for those people that are looking for immediate advice, immediate answers, that might be that one thing that's stopping them making the purchase or becoming a lead. Got any recommendations of good live chat plugins? Because I know there are a lot out there. There are loads. And I think the best one is actually one that's completely free to use. It's say a platform called Talk, T-A-W-K dot two, T-O. It's crazy good in terms of the options that you've got. It offers far more functionality than most of the paid platforms out there. And you can install it on most websites in a matter of minutes. 
And it's, yeah, it's genu- we, It's the one that we use on our site, isn't it? You showed it to me. I was like, this is sick. You get the mobile app as well. You can have other people in. You don't have to pay per seat or any of that rubbish. Yeah, this is it. You don't even need to have someone sat there managing it. You can just have it on your phone and be chatting to people on the go whilst you're in a coffee shop or, or wherever. Love it. Now, one tip is not enough for you, Wayne. You actually have a second tip for people, don't you? I do. Yes. Uh, The other tip, it seems incredibly obvious, but it's amazing how many businesses don't do it. The tip is make sure that your website has a really clear call to action and make sure that it is an explicit call to action. I think gone are the days where it's enough to just have a phone number or an email address up in the header space. It's really important to have that very clear call to action that's immediately visible when your site loads and is also visible on internal pages of a website as well. Yes, this is, I mean, you cannot overstate the importance of a CTA, can you? I mean, we've got client sites that are generating leads at 17%. We've got one of our own pages at it's actually 43%. I had a look. You know, compare that to the average and it's, it's a different league of performance, isn't it? It's madness. And it's just from asking people, to actually take the action. Like, it's so simple. Just saying, fill in this form, request a callback. It can be as simple as that. It doesn't need to be a giveaway guide. It doesn't need to be something that takes time to prepare. Literally a form that says request a callback and you're done. So have you got any tips for request a callback? How can people improve it even further? Or if they're just saying contact us, what could they do to improve their conversion rate even further? So I think something that's really important is increasing the perceived value of what you're offering. So as much as you could go with request a callback, and if you've got nothing at all in place at the moment, it will still revolutionize your conversion rate. You can take it to the next level by making sure that it is structured around a specific service. So for instance, we've got a client that focuses within the dental claims industry, and he's began offering a request a free dental claim consultation. And it's still a callback that nothing is really any different about it. (laughs) It's still a callback. But it's being framed in a different way. And likewise, if you run a business consultancy firm, rather than saying request a callback, you're saying request a free telephone consultation. And just these simple tweaks can make a, a big difference. Like you say, it's all about the perceived value, isn't it? There's almost no perceived value in just the contact inquiry. What's going to happen then? Or someone's going to pitch me. Whereas what you're saying is consultation. Oh, actually, that sounds useful. That sounds like I'm going to get closer to my goals. Absolutely. And I think just as kind of a a final point on it, it's making sure that people know what to expect once they filled in the details. So being really explicit, if you're going to follow up with them via email, it should say fill in your details to receive your email information pack. Or if you're going to be following up with a call, make sure it says that you're getting them to request a callback. Excellent tip. Thank you so much for sharing, Wayne. You're very welcome. Joe, welcome to the Exposure Ninja podcast. Glad to be here, Tim. So listeners want to know, what would be your absolute top tip for increasing their results from digital marketing? I think for me, the big one is to understand the difference in how you as a business view your company's service and how the customer at the end of it actually views your company or service. Great point. So how can people begin to understand how their customers view their products or service? I think obviously in a digital context, you can look at different sources, see how they're speaking about you online. Uh, other examples is ask someone to look at your website just know and make sure that they get what you're trying to do from the website. So they don't see that 
then there's a disparity in what you believe and what they believe. And it may not necessarily be a negative. It could be something that you could build on in an avenue you've not seen before. Or it might be a chance for you to realign and make sure that you're maximizing where you can and make sure that the communication and the brand that you're sending out is the one that's coherent with them. That's a really good point. It reminds me of a client that we had a while back and everything this client told us about the keywords that they wanted to target. Actually, it turned out they were so wide of the mark, nobody in their market actually used those keywords. It was all the stuff that they were saying was just the industry noise, I guess. And one of the things that I know content marketing team does now is they'll go into forums and they'll have a look at Reddit and dig and they'll see how potential customers of these businesses are actually talking about you know, the phrases that they're using and the things that they really care about. So I guess jumping into forums and seeing how people are talking about not just you, but how they're talking about your competitors as well can really help you align with, with where they are. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's just getting that general overview of the your target audience and how they speak. And I think sometimes that can even be a bit greater if you're targeting an audience that's maybe younger or from a different background. They maybe refer to things completely differently or look at things in a very different way. So making sure that you're both on the same wavelength will help both you seem more authentic to your customer and ultimately give you a kind of deeper and better relationship with your customer. Love it. Joe, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with the audience. Thank you. Anytime, Tim. Cheers. Lenka, welcome to the Explosion Ninja podcast. Hey, hi, Tim. So you're one of our top PPC ninjas, aren't you? That means that you get to see a lot of different PPC campaigns that have been maybe run by companies themselves. If you could give these guys one tip, to improve the performance of their PPC, what would it be? So it would definitely be to measure their goals in Google Analytics and AdWords because that is a thing that we see really often that the goals are not set up correctly or they're completely non-existent. And yeah, it's really crucial to measure the goals in AdWords and Google Analytics and because it allows you to understand which channels are working for you and you can also quickly learn um, what sort of keywords and services are the most attractive to your customers. It's a great point, isn't it? Because without the goals being set up, you don't know actually which AdWords, which keywords, which landing pages are converting at all. You're kind of, you're driving, but without being able to see through the windscreen, really. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like, it, I think it applies to basically all other channels as well, because, you know, loads of people say, yeah, we are still in business, so AdWords must be working. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy thing to say, isn't it? Because you might be like spending loads of money on AdWords while you're not measuring your goals. And then once you start measuring your goals, you actually find out that most of your business comes from, you know, referrals or from Facebook or email campaigns. So, you know. Yeah, it's really important to measure the goal so you know what is your return on investment as well. Awesome. You also have some suggestions for people on budget, don't you? Yeah, it's important to make sure that you have a reasonable budget with AdWords because, you know, it's not very linear because people think that, okay, I'm going to start with £10 per day on AdWords and then increase my budget once I'll see some return. But the truth is that you might never see the return with £10, but when you double up the budget, you might as well get double the conversions for obviously better cost per conversion and better error. So 
you know, like once, uh, well, not once, but a <laughs> um, few times we um, set up the campaign and, you know, clients were like, oh, we just want to spend 10 pounds a day and like, well, try increasing the budget to, let's say, 20 pounds a day. I know it's like a 50% increase, but, you know, like, let's see what's going to happen. And then they might, they didn't receive any conversions with 10 pounds per day, but with 20, they start receiving like, you know, two, three conversions a day. So obviously they were getting a better return on their money. Even though they were spending more, but they, at the end of the day, they were making more money. So wh- why is that? Is that just because the clicks are priced so highly that by getting you know only a few clicks per day, they just can't get enough traffic to convert? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it is the same thing. I think the um, the adverse budget should like directly resemble the average CPC, you know, of your industry, the website conversion rate. You know, you need to take into account geographical areas. So, like, clicks in London will be more expensive than, you know, somewhere else. Or if you're targeting whole England, like, or if you're targeting just one city or one re- uh, region, obviously the competition as well. So, like, if you have an average CPC, £2.50, and you have £10 per day budget, this only gives you, like, four clicks. And, you know, you might as well, you know that for four clicks, it's going to be very hard to get any conversion, really. Love it. Lenka, thank you so much for sharing your tip. Ah, you're very welcome. I hope this will help. (laughs) (laughs) Brittany, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So you are our web development manager, which means you build lots of websites, you analyze lots of websites. If you could give listeners one tip to improve their digital marketing performance, what would it be? So my first tip I would give to anybody that is thinking about having their website redesigned is to spend some time planning the, the actual website wireframe. The website wireframe is a really good thing to start with and to make sure that you can get in all the important elements that you want to, to deliver to your visitors of the website. Really important ones is such as your call to actions. So put them into your wireframe first, then go to design. It will also speed up your process and you'll end up with a website that then will work for CRO conversions, but it will also look stunning. Yeah, it's great advice, isn't it? So the wireframe is like basically without any design, it's just the layout really, isn't it? So like you say, you're just trying to make sure that you get all of the important elements. A lot of people find a particular photo that they like, or they find like a WordPress theme or something that they really like the look of, and that's their starting point. And maybe then they have to try and work in the conversion stuff, which doesn't really make any sense, does it? I guess you kind of want to start with that stuff. Yeah, totally. Your your website's there to to promote your business and to obviously convert visitors into customers. So it's the most logical way to get things done first is to make sure that they're all in place. Awesome. You also have some advice about speed, don't you? Yeah. So website speed over the last probably year or so has been a real big thing for a lot of our clients and a lot of people inquiring with us. So Website speed is, there's multiple factors that affect website speed. Some of them are in your control and others will be outside of your control. There is a tool that you can use called Google Page Speed, which is a really good test and it will identify anything on your website that needs optimizing and it will give you step-by-step guide on how to fix them. So the most simple ones to fix is your compression gzip, minify CSS, Minify JavaScript and image compression. Google has a really cool trick on this as well, that if you're really lazy, then you can actually download all the files that it wants you to optimize. 
and just upload them via FTP into the locations that it's telling you to. You will also notice that there is other things on there that reference other domains. These are out of your control. So if you do have any of those, then you won't be able to resolve them unless you're really good friends with um, Facebook or Google, then maybe they will. <laughs> um, but I don't think Facebook has any friends right now. <laughs> no, I don't. They would be out of your control, but if you really want to get all of those um, off, then you would have to remove that functionality from your website. A bit of a pain in the ass, but obviously some of them that are third party, I wouldn't worry about them too much. You'll also probably notice that you'll have points relating to your server speed. Same again, these are primarily out of your control unless you have a really super duper hosting company that pride themselves in their server setups. And obviously they spend a lot of time and research in optimizing from the server level. A lot of small hosting companies won't actually do this. So you will have that effect on your site speed. Do you know any good hosting companies to recommend, Britt? There's a lot out of there. One of the ones that we'd recommend that we use is WP Engine. Their platform is, is actually built for WordPress. So if you do have a WordPress website and you're looking to focus on speed and obviously want to get the best, best performance you can, then look for a hosting provider that is optimized for a certain content management system. So for WordPress, WP Engine would be our ideal supplier for hosting. We basically tested all of them that we could find, didn't we, and found that a dedicated server on WP Engine offered us the fastest load time. So that's what we put our client sites on. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much for your tips, Britt. No worries. Thank you. So Charlie, you're our general manager and super organizer of everyone at Exposure Ninja. If you could give listeners one tip, or actually two tips for their digital marketing, what would they be? Sure. Um, the first one would be uh, to check in Google Analytics. So go in and if you just go to behavior overview pages, you can find out which pages are gaining the most traffic on your website. Actually, a lot of the time, the most traffic isn't going to the pages that people expect. So it's a really useful exercise. And often it's not going to a service or a sales focused page specifically. And then you can check to see if that traffic is converting on the pages, get the email address and phone numbers from those people if you're not already Work on optimizing the page for conversions, adding CTA forms, newsletter signups, uh, webinar signups, that kind of thing. Um, and if it's a blog post, often people are tempted to just write those users off, deciding that that traffic's like not, not qualified enough for their business. Um, but often it's really early on in the consideration research stages, sometimes even before those stages in the sales funnel. Uh, so it can be worth getting those leads and targeting them with content through newsletters and, and other things. Really good point. And it's often blog posts that this happens with, doesn't it? Particularly if there's like a well-written blog post, which sometimes the client doesn't even realize that it's ranking well and they end up getting a bunch of traffic to it and nothing's really happening with that traffic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually have some on Exposure Ninja's own blogs that are doing this as well when we check the top ranking pages. Uh, two of our blog posts, which are just on bounce rate and defining target audience, have been super popular, eating up the majority of the traffic and pulling it in. So uh, we've been working on those blog posts as well so that we can uh, get those leads early on in our sales funnel and start blasting out newsletters and signing them up to webinars and that kind of thing. Love it. What's your second tip? Uh, my second tip is to look for pages on the website that are ranking page one or two of Google, but just aren't in those top positions. 
so aren't in position zero through to three. Uh, I actually use SEMrush for this, but there's a couple of different ways that you can check which which pages are ranking a bit further down page one and two, uh, and then check check the keywords they're ranking for as well and decide whether that search traffic is qualified. You can usually do that by checking if there's a good volume, if the cost if the cost per acquisition, the CPC, sorry, is strong, uh, and if it's a key service page of yours, then you'll know how qualified those leads are. And then because they're already doing well in the SERPs, you can boost them up into the top positions. The top positions generally are eating around like 60% of the clicks. So you're already in reaching distance if you're on page one or two anyway. Uh, You can just do things like uh, reviewing your content, increasing and lengthening it as long as it's still really good quality, adding, adding relevant internal links, outbound links, optimizing for keywords and variations, and then adding rich media, so things like data, graphs, visuals, calculators, tables, anything that would be super useful uh, to the users who are landing on that page. Uh, And then if the domain authority isn't strong and you're pretty sure that that's why you're not in the top positions, um, so if you're competing against some uh, bigger websites, then you can start building some links to that page as well to try and boost it up. Really good tip. And you mentioned they're building links to that sub page, whether it's a service page or product page. I guess what you'll find if you have a look at competitors that are ranking for that particular phrase is actually the pages that are ranking. The websites might have a lot of links, but probably the other pages that are ranking don't have a huge volume of links. So it's not going to take like millions and millions of links to start seeing an improvement in that page's ranking, is it? No, absolutely. If you just get a few good ones, then you can see some uh, quite good results happen. Awesome. Any examples of this in action? Uh, Yeah, I actually have another example from Exposure Ninja's uh, own website. So when we were checking the high traffic pages, this one didn't come up, but our Facebook ads management service page, so our service specific service page, uh, was ranking top of page two. But because the the volume of the traffic is really low, it's only around 30 searches a month. We hadn't seen it in our Google Analytics. But when we checked, uh, the cost per click on those is £5 per click so it's it's their super commercial intent for those 30 people um so from there we updated the content added some keyword variations and internal links we didn't actually spend too long on it and haven't built any links to the actual page yet but we already saw it jump 13 positions up and we're in organic position three for it at the moment so there's still a lot more we can do for it but that was a really quick turnaround on on that page boom love it thank you charlie for your tips Loz, welcome to the Exposure Ninja podcast again. Thanks very much for having me back. So if you could give listeners one tip to improve their website and digital marketing performance, what would that tip be? My my one tip would be to plan your sales funnel. This is probably something you should be doing, you know, before you kind of start the business. So so by plan the sales funnel, I mean asking questions like, why would somebody come to my website? Why would people give me their contact information or why would people purchase my product? And then also, you know, why would somebody choose my services over any of my competitors? So you can plan that in terms of a sales funnel, in terms of taking people through each of those stages. If you can answer those questions, then I think, yeah, you've got a pretty good idea about what kinds of digital marketing techniques you might be using um, in order to sort of get people through each of those stages. If you can't answer those questions, then to me, you don't really have a business. You, what you have is maybe a product that's, that's maybe interesting, but you don't actually have a business. You don't actually have a way of turning that into potential customers into actually paying customers. So yeah, really 
plan plan your sales funnel and then plug everything else in in the in the right places the importance of this really can't be overstated can it it's uh, speaking from personal experience it's incredibly difficult to scale a business until you know exactly how you need to turn cold traffic into customers and so many websites the business exists in the quote unquote real world and the website is just there to talk a bit show some pictures and then they're just kind of hoping that people osmosis themselves into the customer group and it you know none of this thinking ever happens it's crazy yeah i mean definitely i mean i think i think the thing is that like you say you can have a really successful offline business where yeah where somebody's got um you know a decent product or a decent service but if they're not sort of thinking about how they're going to take somebody through that journey in terms of art, in terms of digital then they're not really going to be getting the right kind of results the kind of interesting thing to think about is the fact that if somebody does have an offline business then they probably are already doing these things assuming they've you know got a successful business they're probably already doing these things it's just obviously they're doing them in um in a different way so you know why would people come to my to my store to my physical store well they probably come because you know the window looks nice and it looks really appealing and um maybe you've got a sign in the window saying we've got a, a sale running or something like that you know those are things that you can translate into an online thing but yeah yeah a, a lot of people that sort of getting started digital marketing maybe they don't do that they don't translate those sorts of things across in into something that makes sense in the kind of digital world they'll just chuck up a few pictures and think that that's it <laughs> on the spot question favorite online sales funnel ever <laughs> oh interesting is there a funnel you've been sucked into and you're like oh yeah well I, I was thinking about this i mean i think i think probably i quite like the the kind of like monthly subscription services that you that you get quite a lot of these days so one which which sucked me in was there's there's one for like it's called loot crate and it's basically just like a bunch of like sort of geeky gamey gamer related merchandise and stuff and and they sort of get you in on the basis of you know you can get like a a, a free box for the first month kind of thing if you sign up and then after that they've got you for a kind of monthly subscription so they attract you with their sort of awesome looking website with all sorts of different gaming paraphernalia that looks really exciting that you really want. And then they say, Hey, we'll give you this, this free thing. If you, if you sign up and then once you've, once you signed up for that free thing, then obviously they just follow up with that, with sending out some marketing and say, Hey, you know, if you get a monthly subscription, you could be getting all these goodies every month. Yeah. The whole kind of sales funnel is, you know, it sort of plays on why you would want this, why it's so exciting, um, and making it as easy as possible to go through each of those stages. So yeah, that's, that's a pretty decent sales funnel. Love that. Loz, thank you so much for your tip. All right, thanks for having me. So Jenna, you're one of our awesome SEO ninjas. If you could give listeners to the podcast one tip to improve their performance of their digital marketing, what would it be? So recently, Google has been really considering how long people spend on your page because that's a factor of how valuable they see your page and how relevant it is to them. So my biggest SEO tip is to find ways to get people to stay on your pages as long as possible. And my favorite ways to do that is to write long form content. So content that's over 2000 words, things like ultimate guides or tutorials with screenshots to help people uh, solve a particular issue. I also love adding videos to the page because people will stop and watch and Google will count that time as time spent on the page. So it all helps in the end with your rankings. Love that. And how can people find out what their 
average page time, like how long people are spending on their different pages is? The best way to check how long people are spending on your page is to check Google Analytics. So if you want to go to Google Analytics, then behavior, site content, and then all pages. There you'll see the average time spent on your pages, and you'll see a drop-down list of all your pages. I usually like to sort it from low to high, so I can check this, the pages that aren't performing as well and figure out ways to improve that. So I'll look if I can add more content, update the content if it's outdated, or like I said, add a video. And what I also like to do is check the pages that are performing well, see the ones that people are spending a lot of time on and investigate why that could be. And then I can implement those techniques to my low performing pages. Love that. What a fantastic tip. Just if people are looking at their different pages, is it possible for them to get a uh, a ballpark on what they should consider like, oh, this page is really not performing well? Like what, what sort of minimum time should we be looking at? Absolutely. Well, my main goal is to get pages with um, an average time spent on page of over a minute. So if you have pages with not a lot of content or nothing that's really engaging, people will quickly scroll through and won't spend more than 20 seconds or so. And that's not good for your ranking. So I want to definitely try and get a time spent on page of over a minute. That's my ballpark. Thank you so much for your tip, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. So Stacey, you are one of our awesome content marketing, influencer marketing, and also super podcast ninja helping make all of this happen. If you had to give listeners one tip to help with their digital marketing, what would that be? Hi. So yeah, my tip would be to remember this phrase, mutually beneficial. And it's something that we always uh, reiterate with our clients and something we always say to keep in mind when you're working, particularly with bloggers and influencers is to, to offer them something that's, that's going to benefit you, but also benefit them. If you want influencers or bloggers or whoever it is that you're reaching out to to champion your brand, you need to be offering them something in return for their support. So, for example, offering them a popular product or service that you have for free in return for a review or coverage on their social media, that's mutually beneficial as they get to keep a great product or try out a service that they're interested in completely free in return for talking about it on their blog or social media. If you're only going to loan them something or ask them to do some promotion for free, there's no obvious return for them in that. And uh, you'll probably find yourself spending a lot of time pitching with very little return. And really, you don't have to be selling something that's worth hundreds of pounds for this to work either. We've worked with clients with very low price point products and had really great success. It's about playing to your strengths. So yeah, it's it's a we've got a bunch of case studies on this uh, blogger outreach influence marketing, which we'll we'll link up in the show notes. Uh, so by all means, check it out. But yeah, mutually beneficial. Remember that term. Love it, and it's also. Just because you have something that you can give them free, let's say we work with a client who does protein supplements, right? So we're probably not going to send an influencer like one little sachet, right? There has to be a bit of a balance, doesn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So when we said we worked with clients that had low price point products, we still sent out probably at least 50 pounds worth of products. So like with the protein guys, you're probably saying, you know, we'll send you a couple of different tubs of protein. They might have different flavors. So they're going to send it out and say, you know, here, try this out. Maybe you might say to them, you know, put some recipes together because it's about it's not only about sending them something for free, but it's about producing interesting content as well. So if you send stuff like protein that you know that's ideal because they're going to create recipes or shakes or whatever and that's more content that then you can use as a brand to uh, to promote your product so so yeah 
Fantastic tip. Thank you so much for joining us, Stacey. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be here. So you're one of our awesome Facebook ad ninjas. If you could share one tip with the listeners to the podcast, what would that tip be? Okay, so if I had to choose one tip, I think it would be that you should split test your ads. So there's so many different things that you can split test with Facebook ads, but the thing that I would always split test would be images against videos. So when you're launching a new Facebook ads campaign, it's really important to test images against video and just see which performs better among your target audience. Um, So some audiences will respond better to images, while other audiences will respond better to video. Typically as well, depending on what product you're selling, maybe a video is more suited, but it's always best practice to, to test those things and see which performs better. Love that. So do you have any tips for people on how to choose images? A lot of people just you know, go to a stock image site and just grab one or they use like a picture of the product or whatever. Yeah, it's always best to use images that are related to your business. You know, While you can use stock images and there is some really good stock Im- images site, as I'm sure people are aware, you know, from Facebook and other platforms, you tend to see a lot of the same stock images used by businesses and people will kind of become numb to those images because they know they're used before and they kind of maybe don't trust them. So it's always considered best practice to use your, your own images when possible. Awesome. And do you have any other suggestions for people? Because I noticed, yeah, you've got quite a lot of tips in your, uh, in your box here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so when running social media or when doing social media management, you have to have a content calendar in place. So basically what I mean by that, if, if anyone's not aware, is so have a schedule in place each month of what you want to post um, to, each, to each channel that you're running. So whether that be Facebook, Instagram, um, Snapchat, Twitter, and just have a, an outline of what you want to post um, each day on, on social as well as what time that you want to post it at. Every channel is different, so I wouldn't use the same content across every single channel because what might perform well on Facebook, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to perform well on Twitter. Also, you need to take into account the times of day as well that you're posting the content with, especially depending on your audience. So that would be something that you would need to, to test initially with your channels and see when the content performs better and then analyze um, those statistics and make sure that you're making informed decisions going forward based off the data that you have. Love that. And how about measuring engagement metrics and you know, how do people monitor the success of an organic social campaign? That's a really good question. So what some people do as well before that they would set up a Facebook ad, they might post a post to their channel organically to see how it performs among their audience. Obviously, the more likes and comments and shares you get, that's a, a really good indication that your your post is doing well. And then that can also inform whether you should use that post um, in a Facebook ad or whatever the channel may be. While obviously seeing comments and getting likes and shares is a really great indication that your posts are doing well, just it's important as well to also monitor Google Analytics and see how much traffic those posts are actually driving to your website. So particularly if the the aim of of your post is to get people to come to your website, you need to ensure that that's actually happening. So it might it might be all well and good that you've gotten, you know, a thousand reactions on a Facebook post, but if you're only getting 10 people actually coming to your website at, through that post and the goal of that post was to drive people to your website, then you'll probably need to re, to reevaluate how you're wording the messaging in that post to ensure that you actually you know get the action that you want. Love it. And what about preparation for the uh, the thing that nobody ever wants to happen on social? <laughs> There's some kind of 
viral hatred of your brand or things start to go south very quickly? Do you have any tips for people on coping with that type of thing? Obviously, you know, social, you want that to be a place that's, you know, positive and, and like you get a lot of love for your brand. But in some instances, you know, you might get a customer that maybe has, you know, had a bad experience and they feel the need to, to share it on social media. So I think it's really important just to have a strategy in place on how to respond to that if, if it does happen and just make sure that all of your team that are involved in your social media media campaigns are aware of this and how to respond and handle this situation. Um, there's actually a really good example. I don't know if, if people would have seen it, but um, in Ireland, there was a Lidl store that was basically vandalized by some thugs about a month ago during the um, Beast from the East storm. So they literally got um, a JCB and dropped it on the store and looted the store. It was crazy. But Lidl actually you know, responded incredibly well to, to, uh, to what happened there. And they actually, you know, have gotten so much positive publicity on social media through that because a lot of a lot of consumers have, you know, been sharing their love for for you, and you know, they've actually seen an increase in sales um, from the disaster of that store. So I definitely encourage people to have a have a look at that to see how that was handled because Lidl obviously had a really good PR strategy in place to handle a disaster like this, um, and they executed it really well. So I encourage people to take a look at that example. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing your tips, Keith. No problem at all. Another tip comes from one of our content marketing ninjas. He's awesome. He's called William. And he wanted to emphasize the importance of health. Um, So he says, as well as looking after the health of your business and website, try to look after your own health. It's all too easy to get bogged down and become unhealthy and even ill whilst trying to do a thousand things at once and stressing about everything. Everyone, no matter how busy they are, has time for a half hour run every few days. It clears the air, lets you conjure up some great new content marketing ideas, and also allows you to step outside of the office box, which can be really creative. Um, He also says, pay attention to diet and consider going vegan. Very interesting. A lot of the ninjas at Explosion Ninja are vegan or vegetarian. I can completely understand this perspective. For me, going to the gym every day um, in the morning is like a bit of a ritual, allows me to clean my head, just like William says get in a, the right frame of mind. It also means that if you've got anything buzzing around in your head, you can work it through while you're at the gym. So when you, get, when you start work, you can immediately go straight to it. I used to work out in the evening, but found I was really tired. It was also making me uh, not sleep as well. So completely agree, William. Get some exercise, look after yourself, eat healthy. All of that stuff clears the mind and allows you to do a much better job of your digital marketing. So that was episode number 100. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you've been listening from the start, then thank you for your support. Don't forget also to check us out on Spotify, uh, which we are now being featured on. So go and find us there and subscribe. Also, if you want some free help with your digital marketing, then go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. There's a short questionnaire to fill in, and then we will prepare you a 20 minute video, which shows you how to increase the volume of leads and sales from your website. We'll also deconstruct how your competitors are getting their sales as well. It's a completely free service and it's genuinely awesome. So go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review if you want to generate more leads and sales through your website. Whatever your market, whatever you sell, wherever you're based, we'll send you over a 20-minute custom recorded video by one of our expert team which will show you how to hit your one-year goals. Thank you so much for listening and see you all next week. 